Hello, and welcome to Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth. We're so happy that you decided to join us today. This is the teaching podcast from our Sunday worship service, recorded at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Our goal as a church is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. We hope that this message inspires you and helps to lead you deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to continue our series on the promise of God's guidance. And today specifically, I'm going to talk about the ways that God guides us. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about when do we need in life? Sometimes we need a guide. And it reminded me of when we went to Israel. When we went to Israel, we made sure that we had a tour guide. And that tour guide was able to enlighten us on the locations where we were going and explain some of the historical, religious significance, and especially in a, in, in a uh, country where the language barrier might keep you from really understanding, um, you need a guide. And then I also thought recently, I guess it was several years now, uh, Pastor Gary went on a trip. It was a wilderness journey trip. It was a combination of hiking and river. Uh, and he went to the St. John's River in the northern tip of Maine. And it was very, well, I, the population there and the town where he was was 239. So you could understand this was wilderness. And he hired a guide. And this guide was fit. He was fit physically. He was well-trained. He was very familiar with the terrain. He was able to understand every twist and turn of the river. And he was familiar with the wildlife there. He was able to enrich the river experience, not just on knowing about the river, but the natural and the cultural heritage of that area. And his job was to keep everybody safe. Most importantly, it was to guide them through the wilderness. And the point is, we need guides. And a lot of times the guides are high level experts and we need their expertise to help us accomplish things that on our own, we really wouldn't be able to do. We need our guides. We need sometimes direction in life too. Wouldn't you all agree that we need a guide and it's universal among all, even all religions that people are seeking divine direction and guidance. You know, we, they seek out the wise and the learned and they revere their answers. They seek them out because they're struggling with their decisions. And a lot of people today seek the counsel of psychologists and counselors to help them navigate through life and the decision-making process. But unfortunately, the downside of that is this wisdom is man-made. It's a man-made variety and it could lead to catastrophe since every human being is fallible and our wisdom is questionable. A lot of times it's situational wisdom depending on who you seek for counsel. And, you know, truthfully, some people go to enough counselors until they find the answer they already decided to make. 
You're not looking for guidance at all. The only wisdom, the only wisdom that is infallible is the wisdom of the cross. And I want to read something to you that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 to 20. He said, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? See, Paul is talking about the wisdom of the cross that far surpasses any counsel or any wisdom that we would get from the world. You know, and I need to discuss some of this, the background about the cross, before we can discuss the way that God guides us. And let me share some bad news with you. I have some great news. Don't get worried. But there's bad news too. And the thing is, when people say, I got good news and bad news, I want to tell you, I usually tell them, hit me with the bad news. Because then I feel like I can I can take it when the, the good news comes. So here's the bad news. The bad news uh, is God will not, God's guidance will be elusive to most of us. Because there's a sin problem. The problem is we don't measure up to God's standards or perfection. Romans 3, 10 and 12 says, For it is written, no one is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And later on, Paul writes in verse 23 of the same chapter, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we commit crimes against God in our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds. Think about the first commandment. God says you should have no other gods before him. We shouldn't place anything ahead of God. And I violated that command every minute of every day of my life for 27 years because God wasn't my number one priority. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even in the first 20, the top 20. All I cared about was me, myself, and I. And my goal was money and success. I had no interest in God or the things of God. I lived the way that way every day and I committed crimes against God because of that. And I didn't even realize it. So the problem, the bad news is there's sin. And there's also a death problem. Most people, if you were to ask them if they were a good person, they would say, yes, I'm a good person. I mean, I do this, I do that. But see, God is the ultimate in terms of righteousness. He can't accept us because our crimes that are committed against the, against him. God being just punishes our sins. And that's what it says in Romans, Romans six twenty three. for the wages, what we deserve, what we earn, the wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is love. 
but he simply cannot ignore the crimes that we commit. If he did, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be just and righteous. God, see, God will reward every person who lives in harmony with his law. And he will punish every one of us who violates this perfect standard. All of us, all of us are in the second category. Death came to the world as a punishment for sin, for Adam's sin. And we all inherited his sin nature. And we all die. Physical death occurs when we take our last breath. Our body dies, but the worst death isn't physical death. The worst death is spiritual death. It's the type of death that means separation from God and anything good and worthwhile and satisfying. While we're on earth, people enjoy many good things from God. And there's nothing, nothing on that day of judgment, that day of separation, the day that we die. There's nothing but emptiness and futility and torment of soul. Scripture says it like this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. And I want to remind you and everyone that good works don't count. There's nothing you could do to be acceptable to God. Religious and non-religious people think that they can gain God's favor from a comp- by following certain rules or doing a certain amount of deeds, being a good person. And this is a false universal belief. So that was the bad news. The bad news. If we stop right there, there would be no hope for anyone. But there is good news. The good news is God provided a substitute to take the punishment for us. It was a man, Adam, who brought sin into the world. So God had to use a man to overcome sin and death. It reads like this in 1 Corinthians 15. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. No one on earth could have done the job. There was no man who could have fulfilled that task. So God the Father had to send God the Son to earth to become a man. And maybe you're thinking, how could God send God to the earth? And that's a good question. God in his word revealed to us that he doesn't exist the way we do. He is eternal. He is a spirit being. He, as far as he's concerned, this being is one. One true and living God. But within the one spirit of God, there are three separate persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Co-equal, co-eternal. God exists in three persons. If this is the way he chooses to reveal himself to us, the way he exists, who are we to tell him he can't exist in this way? I know the Trinity is is difficult for us to understand because each one of us is encased in one body, one physical being. But that's not so with God. 
So 2,000 years ago, God the Father sent God the Son to the earth to become a man. And Jesus was born to a virgin named Mary. And was that important? Yes, it was. Because if Jesus had been born in any other way, he would have been born a sinner with a sin nature. He would have been born dead spiritually. But through this miraculous birth, Jesus was kept from having a sin nature. He was born without sin and he lived a sinless life. And Jesus went to the cross where God put God the Father. He put all of our sins, all of it, mine and yours, on him. And he punished him in our place. That's the good news. That's the wisdom of the cross. It's the greatest proof of his love for us. We deserve to be punished for our sins. But if that had happened, we would have been eternally separated from God. So Jesus went to the cross to be punished in our place. And the physical pain he endured, it was tremendous. But it was nothing compared to the pain of separating from God, of experiencing the excruciating pain of the sin of the world placed upon him. He bore the wrath for you and me. And Jesus came back from the dead. He died on the cross. His body was taken down and buried in the tomb. And his enemies thought, okay, that's the last of him. But on the third day, he rose from the dead. Death could not keep its hold on him because he paid the penalty for sin and the punishment that we deserved. Death loses its power where there is no sin. And we know Jesus remained on the earth for 40 days. He ascended into heaven and he returned to heaven and he gave the fight. Before he did that, he gave final instructions. In Matthew 28, it says this, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, God did all the work to make salvation possible for us through Jesus Christ. But you have to believe the bad news first or the good news doesn't make any sense. You can't accept the good news. You need to trust Jesus to save you from your sin and eternal punishment and save you to a new living life with and for him. God will forgive your sins. He'll give you the gift of life and your dead spirit will become alive with him forever. See, it's once we commit our sins, I mean, our ways, once we commit our ways to God, then the Holy Spirit takes residence in our hearts. And he promises he'll never leave us, never forsake us. Jesus told the disciples that he would send the one who would teach and guide all those who believe in him. Jesus' promise was fulfilled in the Holy Spirit that immediately becomes part of every person who becomes a Christ follower. 
In a believer's life, the Holy Spirit has a lot of different functions. One of them is to dispense gifts. One of them is to encourage and lead and, and teach us. One is to remind us by the seal on our heart that we are God's. And the Holy Spirit also is our guide, our counselor. He leads us in the way that we should go. And he reveals God's truth to us. And he directs us in every one of our decisions. This is how we're guided by God. When we seek spiritual guidance, we don't go to horoscopes. We don't go to mediums. We don't go to palm readers. These are forbidden by God. Scripture's clear about that. But the prophet Jeremiah wrote this in Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me, when you seek me with all your heart. See, God promises. It's a promise that those who seek his counsel with all their hearts will find it. But there's several factors that have to be in place before anybody can claim the promises. And the first one, you want guidance from God? You have to do it God's way. God is not a slot machine. He's not a genie in a bottle. He doesn't just grant your wish. We wanna, if we wanna claim God's promise of guidance, especially when we hit rough spots in our life, we need to do it his way. But in reality, we, we really live our lives as our own bosses. We rarely consult God. If we want direction from, from God, we have to come to him. And he only, the only way that he provides that we come to him, and this is the way Jesus said it, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our only access to the Father is when we come through the sacrificial death and resurrection of his Son. So when we come to him in that way, he has provided and, he, and we can claim his promises of guidance and wisdom. James, the half-brother of Jesus, also wrote, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So that's the first thing you have to do it God's way. The second thing is you must know what God's word says. You can't be biblically illiterate and know and trust God's guidance. If we want to know how to be guided by God, we only need to read the Bible. If God has already stated something as true in his word, he will never contradict that. He will never instruct us to murder or to lie or to steal or to commit adultery. These prohibitions are stated clearly in the word and he expects us to follow them. Let me give you an example. Many unmarried couples try to insist that God understands the fact that they're living together or they're sleeping together before marriage. They even say they prayed about it and they feel that it's okay. To justify sin by saying that God has made an exception to his own commands really reveals that you don't want God's guidance after all. So you have to do it God's what God, God's word says. The third thing, if you want guidance from God, we must be in continual fellowship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit moves in our hearts once we 
become born again, and he changes us into new creations. Our human spirits that were once dead and under the control of our flesh are made alive. And with new power and a new desire to want to please God, the Holy Spirit will illuminate the word of God as we read it. I know before I got saved, a friend of mine who was a believer gave me a Bible and I read through it. But it wasn't until I received Jesus Christ in my heart and the Holy Spirit became resident in my heart that I read that same Bible and he illuminated, the Holy Spirit illuminated and guided me through the word. He will cause you to see God's truth in all your decisions and you're never alone. He's alive and active in your life. He desires to be consulted and he longs to guide you. But we need to be sensitive and have fellowship with the Holy Spirit and listen to the promptings and proceed in a way where we're obedient to the promptings. And and you know what that does? That causes us to be sensitive to the Spirit so that in the future we recognize the voice of God. And I I hear people say, well, I'm just going to follow my heart. That will guide me. And that's deadly. Don't trust your heart. There's nothing good about that. You trust the leading of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Fourth thing, we must ask for divine guidance. Ask. James 4, 2 says, You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. God promises to give guidance to all those who ask for it. Psalm 25, verse 4 and 5 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are my God and my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. We need to trust him to guide us. We need to ask him to guide us. Now, the fifth thing is we must be willing to obey when he gives us guidance. When people want to know what God's will is in their lives, they want to hear from what God has to say in the matter, and they listen. But then they decide whether or not they're going to do it. God already knows what's on your heart. He already knows if you have a stubborn heart that won't obey. Because And he won't give you the counsel. You need to surrender. You need to surrender your will with your prayer requests. He desires to work in our lives to accomplish his purposes. The Lord truly wants to bring guidance to us. He wants to guide every follower. He's a communicating God. He delights in giving guidance to those who seek him. He wants to direct the heart that is surrendered to him. I talked about the wisdom of the cross. And maybe the Lord has opened your understanding to the bad news about yourself and the good news about what he's done for you through Jesus, that you can be forgiven of your sins and given the gift of eternal life with God. So I ask you to come to Jesus right now in your heart and in your mind Say something like this, 
Lord Jesus, I want to become your follower. I come to you acknowledging that I am a sinner and I justly deserve condemnation. I realize there's nothing that I could do to make myself acceptable to you through my own efforts. I believe that you're God the Son who became a man, who lived a sinless life, and then allowed yourself to be crucified. I believe you hung on the cross and God the Father placed all of my sins past, present, and future on you. He put them on you. You were punished for me. You took my place. I believe you took the wrath of God for me when you died. I believe your body was placed in that tomb. And, and after paying for all my sins, you came back from the dead and you're alive forevermore. And I thank you for saving me from the condemnation because you were the condemnation. You received it in my place. I ask you to forgive my sin, give me life eternal, and direct me, lead me, guide me in my life. From this day forward, I surrender to your will. Amen. And see, this is the way we come to him. When we come to him in this way, the way he has provided for us, when we seek his wisdom and guidance with a heart to obey, then we can come in the confidence that he is guiding and directing our our paths. And that is a promise, the promise of his guidance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your wisdom, the wisdom of the cross, is all that's needed to come to the Father. And through that, we can gain the guidance. We can receive the guidance. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives within every believer in every heart. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that we are not orphans. We are not left alone. That you accomplished, Jesus, you accomplished what was impossible for man. You made a way where there was none. And we are grateful people. We live our lives in gratitude to you, listening to your voice, being guided by your word and by your Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. Hallelujah. Christ Fellowship of Elizabeth is a Christian community whose mission is to love God, make disciples, and change the world. You can learn all about us by visiting cfofelizabeth.com. We meet each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. at the Liberty Center in Elizabeth, as well as at various times throughout the week. If you'd like to see a video recording of the full worship service this teaching came from, you can watch on demand on our YouTube channel, and you can join us live online every week by visiting cfofelizabeth.live. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher so you never miss an episode. See you next time.